Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Margaret, for leading us in that song. Thank you to our worship team for doing an amazing job. Larry, thanks for making it through all those announcements. That's a lot of stuff going on. And Dr. Toju, thank you for uh, setting our hearts and minds to worship God today. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're glad to see everybody here. Thank you to those on Zoom who have joined us. I see 43 devices on Zoom right here. So I would turn it around and show you everybody here. There's a lot of people here, but this thing is delicately wired. So if I touch it, it'll all break, I'm sure. So, uh, but yes, again, thank you for being here. Uh, please feel free as uh, in a moment, I'm gonna share some thoughts from the Bible and then we're gonna have communion together. Uh, but feel free to look around. I mean, we're not in a building, as you can see, we're outside and that's on purpose so that we can enjoy God. I mean, God is in his, God, the Bible talks about how God's character and his qualities are in his creation. And so you can look around. I, I won't be offended. Uh, if you fall asleep, I'll be offended. But um, all right. So none of that. Okay. Amen. Dave Mitchell. All right. Good. All right. He's looking super comfortable back there. So amen. We will have communion uh, in a few minutes. So if you haven't gotten a communion cup, you can raise your hand. The ushers can bring one of these around to you. Yep, we have a few people there. Uh, and we'll, we'll hold on to it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll say a prayer after I share some thoughts from Mark chapter 10. And, uh, and then, we will, uh, then we'll, we'll pray together. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, commune together. We'll have one more song and close out our time of worship. We do have the park here till 1.30. So you're welcome to hang out if you like uh, until then. And I know some of you hung out well beyond that last time we were here. And honestly, that's, I think they said that was okay as well. But um, amen. I'm going to read to you uh, from Mark chapter 10. And uh, we're going to talk about getting God's attention. Getting God's attention. You know, sometimes things happen in our life that catch us uh, sort of unexpectedly, right? And they grab our attention. I went to the uh, gas station the other day to get gas. And the attendant, uh, who I'd never met before in my life, called me by my name, Philip. It's my name. And I was like, wow, that I, I yeah, you already see where this is going, right? I didn't, it took me a moment to realize that what I thought was customized service, which from a man I'd never met before in my life, which grabbed my attention because I thought this is amazing. I realized that he was just asking me if I wanted to fill up my car. All right. Yeah. See, the rest of you are like me. Yeah, some of you saw that coming. I think Manny Ibrahim saw that coming, didn't you? Yeah, he, he uh, beat me to it, actually. But uh, I'm just saying things happen in life. You don't expect them, and they grab your attention. Uh, and so today I want to talk about grabbing God's attention. Now, I don't mean to uh, imply or say or even teach that it's hard to get God's attention, because the major theme of the scripture is that God, God loves us, he cares for us, and he's done a lot to get our attention. But it is interesting to, to read the stories of Jesus and to watch Jesus as he's walking through life doing something, going here or there, and then something happens. A person comes along and does something that causes Jesus to stop and change directions. And so Jesus, of course, being a representation or, or being God, being God in the flesh, I think there's some lessons for us to learn about God, about the kind of things that can get God to stop and maybe shift directions in our lives. And so we're going to look at Mark chapter 10 about a blind man who got Jesus's attention. I think there's some principles, some ideas that we can kind of look at and implement in our lives as followers 
of Christ. So let's read this together. Uh, Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. It says, then, then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So this is an amazing short little story about a man's life who's completely changed by Jesus. Jesus was walking along with his people, with his entourage, going one place, and this man was able to call out to Jesus and even work through some opposition there and get Jesus's attention to the point where Jesus brought complete healing to his body. So I do think there are a couple things that we can probably apply to our spiritual lives. No matter where you are spiritually, whether you're just starting out, whether you're decades into your walk with God, whether you're just wondering if you even want to do this or not, these are some great principles that can help all of us, whether we're a rookie or whether we're a veteran in following Jesus. First thing we see about this guy is this. He was focused. He was incredibly focused, wasn't he? I mean, this man was not going to be detoured from his pursuit of Jesus. There were people around him that were actually trying to silence him, trying to quiet him down, but he was determined to get to Jesus. That is a key quality of following God today, is you and I, we have to be focused people in our personal pursuits of God. I don't mean our pursuit of religion. I don't mean our pursuit of popularity or our pursuit of comfort or our pursuit of people's opinions or all of the things that are out there. But I'm talking about our pursuit of Jesus, of Jesus himself, his heart, his mind, his character, his example, his thoughts, his teaching. If we truly, if we truly want to be people who know Jesus, know God, it's going to take a degree of focus on our parts, right? I mean, distractions abound, don't they? Thank you. Jamie just fixed a distraction for me. <laughs> was that your songbook? Is that what? Oh, okay. It was her distraction up here, but she just came up. Thank you, Jamie. But that distractions are everywhere, aren't they? I mean, this morning, every morning when I sit down and have my personal Bible study with God, and I read and I pray. I usually sit at my desk. I like to open my Bible. I actually open a real Bible, not a, not a, not a digital one. I like the, yeah, I like the, I like the, I like the paper feel. I have a notebook. I mean, this is how I do it, but I sit down and I read and I pray, but I sit at my desk and there's stuff all over my desk and it's all, I mean, I often find myself praying and then looking, oh yeah, you know what? I need to take care of you. <laughs> you know, I find myself because that's how distractions work. They're everywhere. 
there's oh and, and they don't even have to be bad things we're not talking about even horrible evil things we're just talking about things that will try to stop us from pursuing jesus and being focused you know there's a great parable jesus actually talks about this a little bit you know the, the parable of the sower which is in mark chapter four if you've read that before jesus talks about soil different types of soil being like our heart there's good soil, there's hard soil, there's uh, rocky soil, and there's soil with thorns. All of these are different types of responses to the word of God. But particularly, he talks about the soil with thorns in it. You know, it's, it's good soil because things are growing, but it's distracted soil. That's what it is. And he says in Mark 4, verses 18 and 19, when he's explaining what this parable means, he says, still others, like seed sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So Jesus actually lists a couple distractions right here. Again, it's soil where things can grow, but the wrong things are growing because we as people can get distracted by, as he mentions, worries of life, right? The deceitfulness of wealth, and you may think, well, Phil, that one definitely doesn't apply to me. Well, okay, it might be wealth or the pursuit of wealth, you know, or if none of those apply, how about this one? The desire for other things, right? This is the all-encompassing one. But the point is, and again, it's not even that these dis that distractions in our life may be evil. It's just they pull our focus away from Jesus. So what do we see about this guy? He just would not be detoured from his focus on getting to Jesus. So we got to ask ourselves, are there distractions in our hearts? It's good to look inside. Are there things that are keeping me from really loving God with every part of my heart? Maybe I'm being choked out by the worries of life. Maybe um, I am deceived by wealth or the pursuit of wealth. Maybe there are just other things out there that just that are keeping me from truly focusing on God. Maybe there, there are other like faithless voices. I know that's a thing that we, we, we just get faithless in our hearts and we worry and we get afraid. Or there are distractions out there that really keep us from spending that time with God. It's good to look into our hearts and go, okay, God, is there something in my heart that's keeping me from truly being focused? This man was relentless in his pursuit of God. Good lesson for us today. Second thing that you see about this guy that I think can help us and apply to us today is not only was he focused in his effort to get to God, but he was honest in his attempt to get to God. He was very honest with God. You know, it says when he finally got face to face with Jesus, right after people were uh, trying to tell him to, to quiet down and Jesus, no, 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 bring him over. And he comes over uh, and he finally gets faith to faith with Jesus. And Jesus asks him, what is it that you want? I love that he is honest with Jesus. I love that he just tells the truth to Jesus. He spoke from what was honestly inside of him. What is it that you want? He doesn't say, you know, things that you might think people would say. Uh, I want world peace, Lord, you know, or I want to feed the hungry or save the whales, or I don't know, whatever, you know, all are obviously great causes, and I'm not saying those aren't, but what I'm saying is sometimes we get hooked on what we think we're supposed to say to God, 
instead of what's really, truly in our hearts. And that's what we can learn from this guy, is he just had no presumptions about, about it. He just said the truth. Here's what Jesus said, what do you want? He said, here's what I really want. Here's what I really want. Here's what's really inside of my heart. It's called honesty. It's called being honest. You know, there's another great example of this in the scriptures that I love. Another story where Jesus heals a woman who had had a physical issue for, for years and years. And she finally comes up to Jesus. She's healed. Remember the story? She comes up behind him and she touches him thinking she could just get healed and leave. Jesus goes, whoa, stops the crowd, you know, got Jesus's attention, turns around and she says, who did this? Who did this? Finally, the woman comes to him and it says in Mark 5, verse 33, it says, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. I love that. It's an incredible amount of honesty. She came before Jesus and said, here's what happened. Here's the truth. Here's who I am. Here's what's really going on. And, and you know that there was a little bit of fear in there. You know, I've learned in my walk with God that the times that I'm really honest with God, there's a little fear that goes with it. You know, if you've ever been there before, you're like, God, I'm praying like, God, here, here's what, what I really think, or here's what I'm really feeling, or here's what I'm really afraid of, or here's what I'm really struggling with. Here, here's the truth. There's always a little, <laughs> a little fear that mixed in it. And I think that's good because there's a part of me that's like, God, you know, all, all right, I, I said it, you know, are you going to strike me down? You know, um, I'm still alive, you know, but, but I think, I think that when you start entering in the world of getting a little nervous about what you're saying to God, that's when you're starting to get to the point of being truthful, of really being honest with God. There's a great verse I read actually this week in my quiet time. It's um, scripture you, you've read before, Philippians 2 verse 12. It talks about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I always wrestled with that because I thought working out my salvation, everything in the Bible, everything up to this passage talks about how I have salvation. And God has given me salvation. So what am I trying to work out? I have it. And I began to realize, I, I think what God is teaching here, what God is saying is that we, we have salvation. When you become a Christian, you're going to heaven. But it still takes a little bit of effort to get that to sink into your soul and to get you and me to grow and to adjust to be like God. That is your workout. That is your spiritual daily workout. So sometimes when I'm reading the Bible on my own, having my personal Bible studies, it feels a little bit like a workout because I'm wrestling. I'm going, God, okay, I, I see where I need to change. And there is some fear and trembling because there's honesty in there and there's really letting God work and let the salvation really sink into my soul. But I think that's when we really find ourselves getting honest is when we can just put it out there and let God know what's really, really inside of us. You know, let's not be religious people. Let's be honest, people. Let us put out our heart before God. Truly, really lay out our, like this man, real, God, here's where I'm really at. This is what I really desire. This is what I really want. Here's the irony of it. God already knows. <laughs> he already knows, right? It's not like you're going to say something to God and he's going to go, oh my gosh, I, I just, I did not see that coming. Wow. Oh, you what? You thought what? You said what? 
You know, of course, you see, honesty with God isn't for God. It's for you. It's for me. It's having the faith to step out and be honest. What do we see about this guy? How did this guy get Jesus to stop, turn around, and give his attention to him? Well, he was focused. He would not be turned away from God. He was honest. And the last thing I'd like to point out from this before we take communion together is that he was bold. He was bold. He was focused. He was honest. But then he was incredibly bold. You know, when I was a young man in my faith, I thought boldness meant volume. That's what I thought. I thought that the louder you were, that just meant the bolder you were. And I remember, I remember when I was in college, one of my roommates, a bunch of guys, we lived in an apartment. And one of the roommates came up with his idea that we would all get up at the crack of dawn to pray every morning. I, I don't know, four o'clock or five. I can't remember what time it was. Just so you know, I had no classes at that time. So there, I had no reason to be up at that time. But, you know, when someone comes to you and they're like, hey, let's have a group prayer. You don't want to be the guy who's like, no, I'm going to sleep instead. Right. You know, <laughs> you don't really. Want. So I was like, sure, we'll do it. And so I don't remember. It was way too early. And we would get up and go in our living room in our apartment and we would pray all the guys. And this friend of mine, he um, what made it even more difficult is he he prayed at one volume and that was yelling as loud as he possibly could. Again, he had this idea like me that volume is what what boldness was. And I mean, he would he would pray, you know, through every blade of grass, you know, every like star. God, thank you for this star. And, and it was at this volume. I mean, he was yelling. And all I could think was the neighbors upstairs are going to kill us. Right. But I, I, I thought, well, he's being bold. Right. That's what I thought. But what this guy, and, and, and let, me, let me not get, you know, sometimes boldness does include volume, all right? There is sometimes that to it. This guy certainly was loud. It says he yelled all the more. But I contend, I offer to you that what made this man bold was not the volume of his voice, but the content of his request. That's what made this man bold. Rather, his, bold, his boldness was what he asked for from Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want? And he said, honestly said, I want to see. I want to see. Like he swung for the fences. It wasn't like, you know, what do you want? Well, I could use a slice of pizza. I'm hungry. You know, or do you have $10? No, he goes, you know what? I want to see. I mean, there's a boldness to his, his question. They're, they're, he is asking for the impossible. The impossible. That's what made it bold. How's your prayers? Are you being bold with God in your prayer life? Are you putting out the impossible? You know, I have things on my prayer list. I have a prayer list written out that I pray through. I have things on there that are just impossible. They're just things that I, I probably won't even share them with you because they're kind of vulnerable things, you know, and I mean, I, I'll tell you, tell you separately, maybe, maybe, but um, <laughs> I'm not gonna, but there's just things that, you know, there are things that you look at and you go, if that happens, there's only one way that happened. It is God. There's only one way. It wasn't, you know, my planning, my, 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 my work, my heart, my goodness. It was none of that. It was God. And I have these things in my, 
prayer list because I want to be bold. You know, I, I really wrestle with that sometimes because God in his great love has done everything for us. He's showered us. He's removed our sin. He's done all of that. But then on top of that, he goes, now give me your requests. And I really wrestle. I'm like, God, are you sure? I mean, you've done so much already, right? But here are my requests. And now not only does he want our requests, but he wants us to be bold with him. This is what it means. Are you bold with God in your prayer life? Well, what if God says no, Phil? Well, here's the thing. He's already said no to you before. And you're okay, right? You survived, right? Are you, you made it. You're still here, right? There you go. So you can survive it if he says no again. But whether, whether he says yes or no isn't even really the point. The point is, will you have the courage to ask for the impossible? That's the point. Will you have the faith to go to God and ask for the impossible? I found, um, not long ago, I found an envelope that uh, I had written some impossible prayers on. And I wrote them now almost 13 years ago. And uh, I had prayed about them and then just through my many, many moves, I don't know where, how, where they went, but I found it. I found the envelope and I read it and I was uh, 13 years ago. And I went, I was humbled to see they, they, how God had done them. And, and at the time they seemed impossible. They seem like there's no way, but I looked, I'm like, wow, God, you did this. Now, granted, God didn't do it the way I thought he was going to do it when I first wrote it down. You know, God has a tendency to throw his own little flair in there sometimes because I'll get you there, but we're going to go that way. You know, you're like, no, 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 Lord, I want to go this way. Yeah, we'll, we'll end up there, but we're going to go that way. You know, God can be like that sometimes, but God knows what he's doing. It was just incredibly faith building for me to see what God had done. There's a great verse, Mark 10, verse 27. With, this, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. The point today is this, is we need Jesus. We need Jesus. He is the only true solution to our life. And this man, this story, this little example helps us understand how to get to Jesus. It helps us understand a little bit more what to do. And Jesus, in verse 52 of, of our text here, Jesus equates what this man does with faith. Jesus calls him, he says, your faith has made you well. And so this is faith in Jesus's eyes. This focus, this honesty, this boldness, it's not just a good idea. It's actually faith in action. And God blessed faith. So in a moment here, we're going to take communion together. And uh, hopefully you've got your cup. There's a, 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 there's a fruit of the, the, uh, the cup, the juice. The fruit of the vine is, represents the blood of Jesus. And the bread, of course, represents his body. And as we take this, I want us to think for a moment, as we've talked about, uh, we've talked about focus and honesty and boldness. And think about that. Isn't that what Jesus did? to get your attention? I mean, think about this for a second. Isn't this exactly the formula Jesus followed that grabbed your attention? I mean, he was focused. He came to this planet. He lived a life. And though there are many distractions out there, many reasons it could have gotten off track, he was focused all the way to the cross where he gave his life for our sins. 
He was honest, wasn't he? I mean, read his teachings over and over. Jesus says, he says, I tell you the truth. Here is the truth. Jesus was honest with us. Here's what you need to know. Here's what needs to happen. Isn't that what Jesus was? And then, of course, Jesus was bold. I mean, think about his goal. His goal was to save your soul. His goal wasn't just to come and, you know, teach some good principles and be a good guy and then die. No, he was swinging for the fences. He was swinging for your soul, like the complete eradication of all your sins that you may live with God in heaven for eternity one day. That is bold. But isn't that what got your attention? His focus and his honesty and his boldness. This is how much God loves us and cares for us. There's a great verse, 2 Samuel 14, verse 14. It talks about God, and it says he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. Isn't that great? Let's keep this in mind. As we take communion together, as we remember the sacrifice, I'll say a prayer, and then we'll have a time here to meditate. God, we thank you so much for the beautiful day. We thank you so much for your beautiful words that help us, that teach us, that guide us. Thank you so much for your focus and your honesty and your boldness. Thank you. Thank you, God. I pray that you help our hearts to always be soft to the love that was demonstrated to us on the cross and that is continually demonstrated to us daily. God, we're so grateful. God, help us to really reflect on that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.